and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Um, Amy is, oh, let me get this right. Okay, so Amy is a BD coach and trainer and also the BD Central Region Coaches Rep. And probably lots of other things as well. Um, <laughs> and, and, and a flying changes ambassador um, since January. So, Amy, I wanted to bring you on to our Q&A today because what I love about you and why I brought you into the ambassador scheme is, uh, or accepted your application is more to the point, bring, bring you in, you did apply, um, <laughs> was that I just love your ethos around coaching and training. So for you, it just seems like it's not just about imparting knowledge to someone while they're there with you in that moment there's so much more to it so I thought today's Q&A we're going to be covering lots of things we're going to be talking about what makes you different as a coach your ethos as a coach um, a bit about your journey because you've had a very interesting journey yourself and then some stuff about some of the things that you're doing right now to be flexible in this situation when actually your normal way of doing things just can't exist Um, and and I love that entrepreneurial side of you as well that part of you that goes right flip change next thing and I think (laughs) That flexibility in a coach as well is incredible. So that's the kind of stuff we're going to be covering. So, Amy, tell us a bit about yourself then. Introduce yourself. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I am. Uh, I'm a rider and coach and I'm a BD accredited coach and I am the new BD Central uh, coaching rep. Um, not that I've been able to do much yet because of the whole situation, but we've done a little bit. Um, and yeah, so I was I was in a horse family. I've come from a horse family. My family used to breed. We had a thoroughbred stallion. Um, and we crossed it with pretty much everything we had, um, but it was great because what it did do was um, actually give me a way into lots of different spheres. So I spent most of my youth competing in probably everything I possibly could. I did a lot of endurance. I did eventing. I did dressage. Um, uh, you know, and we, we did what the horses wanted to do. Um, so it gave me a lot of experience, a lot of, I learned a lot, uh, from a lot of good and bad experiences. Um, and it, it did, it set me, it gave me a really, really good base, which is, um, actually come through as quite relatable for my coaching because it means that I can help everybody. I actually have a couple of endurance clients that I help on the flat. Um, and it just means actually that it's, it's given me a really good base for my coaching as well. Um, so yeah, then I, I, once I left school, I did an apprenticeship for a year, got a load of qualifications with an amazing lady, um, at Sue Chartis. And then I went on and okay, I moved to Hampshire. So I'm originally from Shropshire, Worcestershire Borders. I moved to Hampshire because everybody said that I really need to go and work on a dressage yard. And I was a bit like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I've set up by myself. I'm fine. Um, and yeah, no, so I went down to this yard, um, rode the four-year-old that they put me on and they were like, oh, you know, do you, do you want a job? And I was incredibly rude and was like, well, I can't start yet because uh, I haven't finished my qualifications. And, uh, and so the yard that I was having, having the interview was at Catherston um, and it was Jenny that was doing it. I didn't even know who Jenny was. It's incredibly arrogant. <laughs> um, so I off I trundled and said I'll be back in January and came back in January. Some for some reason they still had me. Um, <laughs> and then I said, right, I'm staying for a month. I'll do ATOS training, and that is it. And then I was very lucky. I got some rides. And unfortunately, uh, their main rider had a really bad car accident. So I was very lucky and drafted onto those. Got some really good experience. So then I stayed. I was. I stayed for three months. It's fine. And then six. And then five and a half years later, I was still there. <laughs> um, and I took. I got. I actually got kicked in the knee, which is why I actually ended up leaving Catherston because I. Um, I got kicked in the knee. I basically ended up having six months off. I could ride, but I couldn't school anything at all. Uh, for the first six weeks, I couldn't even work. Um, ended up having to have keyhole on it so I got more I've always been into my coaching and I always stayed teaching within I actually went when I worked six days a week at Catherston I went home and taught on my seventh um <laughs> and but I kept that going and I'm really glad I did because I still go still go back to my penny club now and teach every two weeks obviously not in the current situation but <laughs> um and uh, yeah so then I took my whilst I was off I took my UKCC level three which 
scared me a lot because I was like, oh my God, I can't take the level three. And what made it more scary was that I was taking with, with Jenny and Anne at the same time, um, uh, both of my bosses. So I was literally like, oh my actual God, are you kidding me? I don't know enough to be taking my coaching qualification with these people. Uh, but actually I did it and I passed and I learned so much from it. And actually I, at that point I decided I had a few youngsters coming up anyway, and I needed to get them started and get them going. So I was very lucky that a friend found a yard that I could rent five boxes on, which is where I'm, I'm now. Um, and they're very supportive and helped me a lot. And uh, yeah, so I rent five boxes. I have my own horse in there and schoolers as well and coach alongside it, which has been really fun. <laughs> Wow, uh, what an incredible journey. God, just in a nutshell, that's just, you know, just what I did. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a short version. Right, yeah, okay, yeah, because we have really only got an hour today, so we've got... <laughs> okay, so um, I don't even know where to start asking questions about that stuff. So one of the things that's quite interesting was your journey with birds, um, yeah. or lack of, actually, interestingly enough. So, because that's quite a traditional route that people go through, isn't it? The British Young Rider. Well, what what is now... PD youth now. now yeah. It was called the British Young Rider Dressage Squad or something like that, wasn't it, Birds? So tell yeah. us a little bit about your time with that. Okay, so obviously I originally started with Birds Northwest and they were, it was brilliant. I started actually originally with a group called Westminster's Dressage Group with Carol and Jeff Simpson. A lot of people know Jeff particularly steward at a lot of the uh, events and particularly the big shows um, and they're amazing support. So yeah, I still speak to them now um, and they they sort of fed into the bird system with, with Northwest and like the, the rider squads and everything I possibly could um, but I was never I didn't ever really have a horsepower to do sort of ponies juniors or young riders and it was it was one of those things that uh, you know all, all the coaches were like just keep going like you, you can ride and my forte was absolutely swapping horses and riding other people's horses you know I loved doing that and um, one of the things that they had so I did I did the old talent spotting scheme and got to the final there that was really good um, ironically, I think Katie did that as well back in the day. <laughs> um, and then actually, as it went on, I did a lot of the home international interregional teams. And one of the things they did for the interregionals um, was that so that's squad based on your rider. It's all judged on the rider. So I did everything from C through to A squad. And um, it wasn't until I got to A squad, I got very I got drafted up to A squad almost probably a bit too quickly uh, because they were all short of A squad riders. So we squidged it and we got away with it. And uh, I actually ended up qualifying for the A-Squad final in my first year. This is my first year at Catherston. Um, and I sort of was like, yeah, well, that, that's kind of cool. And I always remember the secretary at Catherston going, you do realise how big this is, don't you? And I was like, yeah, 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 it'd be fine. Because I'm just like that. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, I went and did it. And it wore, like I say, my photo is um, riding other people's horses and it was I think scared everybody because you had to ride someone else's horse you swapped swapped horses rode them and then on the microphone in front of everybody you had to explain what you found what you liked what you didn't and what you do to improve it um, and you did this three times uh slot three times and then the top one from each group would go through to the a squad final in the evening where you would get five minutes on a new horse uh, and then you would go and ride it through an elementary test in the gala evening in front of everybody eating their dinner, <laughs> um, which was very interesting. But I love that. And actually, I won it the first year. And I think I'm probably one of the only people, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, that qualified two years in a row. Um, and I actually went back and I was uh, second the next year uh, because I loved, I loved that competition. And it actually, from that, I fed into doing the Young Professional Scheme. Um, I did that twice before. This is before it became an actual programme. This It was more of a competition at this point. So the first year I qualified for the final um, and fi finished in the runners-up section. And then the next year, I was very, very lucky that year because actually Lizzie Murray, Jenny's daughter, was off pregnant. Um, so I got to ride um, Bruce, uh, this, uh, Catherine Springsteen, um, so I got to do a lot. I got to learn a lot of the sort of more advanced movements, a lot of the Grand Prix stuff, uh, which set me up brilliantly because they had a section for you know, young and problem horses, which was fine. I could do that bit. And then they had advanced horses. Um, and yeah, we had to sit down with Carl and talk through everything. And yeah, and I finished second that year. So that was really cool and won a training grant. So I went in the BDU through more along the training side and progressing it as a career. 
Um, but ever since, yeah, even when I was at school and on pony club teams, a lot of my friends were doing sort of the ponies, juniors, young riders route um, and riding for the country, which was so, at the time I felt so far out of the way. But actually it's something now I look back that I would never, I'd never change what I did because actually it's, set, it's really set me up for what I do now. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure when you're that age, when you're much younger to be thinking, oh my God, you know, I really want to do ponies or I must aim for juniors or young riders. And actually, to be fair, I did, when I started in birds, my, my horses were four. Um, and I did actually get the, my main one to young rider level when I got to, uh, when I actually got to the, got to the end of my birds, birds youth time. And it was, yeah, I rode my young rider, my first young rider test in my last year of BD Youth, which was a massive milestone because that was kind of the day that we caught everybody else up, which was really cool. <laughs> wow, so that's awesome. And, and I love your attitude that you've clearly had so many times that you've said, of like, yeah, sure, I'll give that a go, why not? You know, <laughs> where do you think that kind of happy-go-lucky, like, I'll give it a go, attitudes come from that's kind of got you to where you got to, I think, so you could so easily have put blockers in your way, didn't you? yeah I don't know I think <laughs> I mean I was I've always been pretty competitive um but I think competitive within my own realms so where something's possible then I can I, I can make it happen and I think that's the thing is is if it's realistically possible I can make it happen um it might take time it might I might need to go the longer route but I can make it happen and and I think that I've always been like that right from the word go mum always said that you know I was <laughs> always planning what penny club rallies I was going to go to and you know I had the list and what horses I was going to take and you, you know she didn't she just said to kind of take me <laughs> which yeah it was fine and it's, it's I think that's that's it's I've always been like that because I think you know if you if you want it then you've got to go get it a bit really and how do you think that kind of ethos comes into your ethos around coaching as well because I know you you have I, I just love your ethos around coaching and what it's really about <laughs> what how do you think that your background has, has really made you you are as a coach I think because I've been on such a, a, a crazy whirlwind type journey, which has taught me so much and actually had so much fun along the way, it's actually allowed me or enabled me to think, you know, to empower other people to do the same. And I think, you know, I mean, I trained my pony club pony to into one, um, who I jumped bareback at camp only like four years before and paid polo cross on. And yeah, I took it when I was an instructor. I was right. I was I remember being an instructor at camp. And they were playing polo cross and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a go at this and took him in to play polo cross. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you've got the champs next week. And I was like, I'll be fine. Um, and I think it's just I, I think it's important that you embrace the journey a little bit. And because uh, he's an, he's an Anglo Arab, so he, he was bred for endurance originally. He was never going to be an endurance horse because he hated his feet wet. Um, so <laughs> we we converted a little bit. And, and, yeah, we had to do dressage when we moved down here. And I think it's just it's proof living proof that anybody can do it and I think it's I, I find particularly now even more when I shared my journey more people are like oh my god like you people can do this and it's true you can and I think from my point of view I, I love helping people in coaching when I coach and I like being part of their journey so even if I'm just a snippet in that journey if I can help somebody move forwards to their next bit then that's that's cool <laughs> And so how do you help to instill this sense of if you want it, you can do it into your clients? Because, you know, I mean, doing what I do, like a lot of the time it's like, do you want to do it? And they're like, oh, I don't think I can. And that's the biggest hurdle, is it? Because we can teach skills. We can we can help people improve on skills and things. But the best part about being an amazing coach, instructor, whatever you want to call yourself, whether that be mindset or skill, is understanding how to help someone believe they can give it a go. So what yeah. do you do to do that? Because I know you do it incredibly well um I think I mean I'm, I'm I think I'm probably too casual about things I'd never build anything too much up because actually it's it's all part of it and I think everything needs to be accessible to everybody and I think that's a little bit the people particularly with dressage are like oh I'm not sure I can do it because you know I don't have the flashy horse and I'm like okay let 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 me tell you <laughs> and actually I, I'm a big one for sharing my own personal experiences because I think storytelling is a really good way of putting across actually that it is possible and there are normal people doing it on very normal horses um, and I think often I think the big thing is not to take too big a steps you know create create confidence through competence and allowing them to, to find their way without this this sort of almost pressure-free safe learning zone and, and then when people feel like they can they will 
simple as that. I love it. But yeah, that's the, that, that is what it boils down to, really, isn't it, actually? Yeah. And so, and why do you think some coaches, so probably a bit of a mean question, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. Why do you think some coaches do build things up to seem harder than they are or, you know, seem elite or do think that perhaps you have to have the flashy laws? Because interestingly enough, Caroline Moore, I don't know if you've managed to watch her Q&A, but she was saying the same yeah. thing. Any horse can do this if you get the basics right. Like, just keep yeah. working. Um, and obviously, you clearly share that ethos. So why do you think some instructors do that? don't do that or do it differently i'm just going to ask you that why not <laughs> i think there's a multitude of things i think you know i well it goes back to this the whole thing i do, i genuinely think people in general yeah you are what you have been surrounded with so i think personal experience comes into that if they've been told that right from the beginning of their career then that's what they're going to believe um and to be fair no one ever really told me that um, maybe because I was consistently wanting to prove them wrong. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, you know, but I was never, I was never told I couldn't do it, but maybe because I always wanted to do it. Um, and that, I think that's the thing is that you, if you've been surrounded by that from an early age, that's what you believe. And then if, if there is something proving that you'll see, you will only home in on that and see that. And I think there's lot, there's lots of, lots of rules for that, that you do see very, very flashy horses, very, but as long as you're realistic about your goals, you can, you can be simple about it. And also I think, you know, unless somebody's necessarily been through that, been through that experience, I don't think they necessarily embrace it. And their goals might be different. You, you know, my goal was never to go and win the world. Um, but I really wanted to get as far as I could. And, um, uh, you know, I, I was on, on this journey that, that proved possible. Um, and I think that's the thing is, is, is there's probably plenty of people that thought we couldn't do it, but I think if you've got somebody there that will believe in you that, uh, and actually give you, give you the reason to do it, then, then why not? But I don't think that, I think other, other, there are quite a few coaches that maybe haven't been through that. So don't don't believe it but at the same time I think the times are changing now people are a lot more open-minded to very different horses BD have so many different associated championships now it makes it accessible to everybody and I think that absolutely opens it up to to making things possible for people yeah I love that so anything's possible you just got to want to do it and then get the right team behind you with the right beliefs mm -hmm. themselves that will put you forward because if you come up against an instructor, not come up against, it's probably wrong, but if you have an instructor that doesn't believe you or isn't quite sure you can, um, or doesn't know how to get you there, then they're not gonna keep supporting you and helping you when you have a wobble, they're gonna wobble with you. And, and, and that's when it's not gonna, you need, you need them there when you have the wobble. So that when you're, yeah. you're going, they've got you. And then when you're, you're not, they've still got you. And, and, then, and then sometimes your instructor has a bad day as well, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So one of the, yeah, exactly. So one of the things that also I just thought was fantastic about your journey was um, the last couple of years, uh, some bits and pieces have happened to you, haven't they, that you've had to overcome. Sorry, I've got my doorbell, that's nice. <laughs> that you've had to overcome. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about some of the adversity, even in recent years that you've had to overcome, because clearly you've had all sorts of things in your life, but recent years have been different, hasn't it? Yeah, so it's interesting, actually, because I did a timeline um, for the last five years, and the first three were, like, swimmingly nice, and you go your highs and your lows, and then the last couple of years have been, like, ridiculously up and down, and I think I've had a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of things go, go slightly not, not as planned, or um, not as easy as they have been before, um, and probably the big one is that I actually had a complete freak accident um, in October and got kicked in the head by the most placid and nicest horse that I own. Um, <laughs> but it was a complete freak accident, just lost his balance um, and ended up actually snatching his, his foot up and, and catching me in the head. Um, and and as, as you do when you're horsey people, you go, oh, I would be a bit, a bit concussed and whatever. But actually what happened was that I ended up um, suffering with this post-concussion syndrome. Um, and it's ended up lasting a whole lot longer. I ended up actually not being able to work for probably three to four months. Um, I probably didn't ride for three months and when I did ride it was um interesting <laughs> ironically the horse that I started on was the horse that kicked me because he is genuinely the nicest horse um and it was definitely um it's been an eye-opener on how to rebuild my life a little bit again now um I think it's and it's probably, I think, probably the reason why I've been so proactive in, in whilst we've been off this time. And everyone's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't work yourself too hard. And da, da, da. Um, 
but I think the bit that people miss is that I only came back to work for two months and I was only just back at full hours and before that I was off for four months so <laughs> I, I I just because I can't physically coach doesn't mean that I can't I can't be helping and coaching people from where I am and, and you know in the situation we are in and I think that actually allowed me to take a step back look at what I'm doing restack things in a better way um and and ass- assess things and actually as much as it was a pain in the ass and pain in the head um <laughs> quite literally I think in a way things happen for a reason and um a smack to the face certainly made me think about how much I was doing uh, and and how, how I wanted to go forwards with that um and and that's part of the reason why you know I applied for the ambassador scheme was that I just needed somebody to to rein it in a bit and put to help me put some structure in as to how I was and I think you know I've been really lucky I have an amazing client base that are really good but I have a, I had a lot of clients and it was and bless them, they've been amazing. They've stuck with me even through all of that time off. Um, but it's, I think it's learning to control that within so that I'm not losing that sort of uh, self-care. <laughs> and we've had lots of chats about that sort of self-care element and things you can do because there's a fine balance. And I'm never sure it's really a balance. I think it's always a little bit out of kilter of one or the other. But, you know, you've got to be <laughs> OK with it in whatever situation you're in. But I think you, you've had some great insight and you've done some interesting things which would be really helpful to share with people about how you did help yourself to recover from something. And I have actually got a question come through, which I'll ask you in a minute as well, about recovering and things like that. But tell us a little bit about the type of things that you had to do or that you, well, that you chose to do, actually, to be honest. Some of it you didn't have to do to help yourself recover um, from a serious thing. Um I think, well, first of all, I had to accept what it was um, and that because I, uh, funnily enough, uh, now is when I, uh, you know, only in this last month have I fully ironically felt back to almost myself um, in that I'm firing on all all, all full cylinders and just like going for it. And I can, but equally, I'm very aware of my triggers now. Um, But I think I I had to just accept that I couldn't do that. And funnily enough, I was actually looking back through my Fitbit yesterday with my sister because she was moaning that she couldn't get enough steps in. Um, and I said, you know, it's surprising how little steps you can do when you're not out and about doing the horse. And I went back to October and it was, you know, I <laughs> barely got any steps in in a week. And I remember I actually, one of the things I started doing was using my Fitbit to, to judge where I was at. And I remember specifically a real plateau I got to and I just couldn't I every time I went over 18,000 steps I was back to bed and it was ridiculous if I did 18 I was fine if I did 20 I was bedridden and how it was ridiculous and I, I really struggled with that I was like, for god's sake that's just not that much but it made such a difference and it it was an eye-opener about how much how much you can do in a day but I had to definitely introduce some things that I never I've never done before so I was I started doing I did a lot of research um and some you know it was all very much like you have to do what's good for you um and chuck what doesn't and and that's very much the approach that I took so sleep was a massive thing um and still now if I don't get enough sleep I, you know, I, I, I get dizzy again. I, my vision gets a bit dodge, um, but it, it makes a massive difference. And I know now when that's coming in. So I had to put in a really good sleep routine. I had to, um, well, I tried doing some meditation and I was a bit like, yeah, well, you know, as you do. And actually it makes a massive difference for the, for the benefit of actually like clearing my mind, having a bit of a reset uh, breathing exercises which were massively influential when I went back to work because the one thing that came in with this post-concussion syndrome which I have never suffered with uh, clearly as you can hear from the rest of my story it was anxiety and I didn't know what the hell it was I just thought I was a bit jittery to start off with and I was like oh, God, get over yourself you're fine like take a deep breath and carry on and that's what I did start off with and I had no idea how to control it and what was going on it was only when I researched a bit more I was like I think this is this is anxiety (laughs) Um, and it wasn't triggered by normal things like if I was to go and pick that horse's foot up that did not bother me in the slightest no problem with that at all driving oh my god 
ruined me for the first week of driving. Like I, I could, I would get somewhere and I'd be bawling my eyes out. And I don't cry very often. My poor husband, who <laughs> probably has only ever seen me cry like twice in the whole time we've been together, was like, "Oh my god, what the hell?" <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a definite eye opener on on all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, the, the meditation, really being mindful, and some of the things I introduced. So I, I actually introduced a morning routine. Um, and I built it in very, very slowly when, and, and as soon as I was kind of able and step by step, but that uh, it was built around things I wanted to include in my life anyway. And the way I looked at this now was that I had time to build in the habits and routines that I should have had in my life anyway. Um, and th so when I went to back to work, I could build the work around the habits and routines and that to be fair, it worked really well. So I have a really good morning routine now. Um, we, I work a lot around gratitude and my vision board. I phone roll every single morning. Don't have any lower back pain now. That's a surprise for some tips. Should have been doing that anyway. Um, I, nutrition is huge. Um, and I still now to this day, every day, pretty much have a big bowl of berries and seeds and um, either overnight oats or porridge, because if I don't, I genuinely feel flat as a pancake. Now, whether that's a mental thing that I've associated with that or not, I don't care. <laughs> it works. Um, and it's it definitely I think just being able to implement some of those things has been has been really useful and has made a big difference to my life overall. Um, and I think it, they're, they're almost a fallback now. If I, if I have a bad day or something, I still have my routine to go to. And one of the, I, so I did an exercise where I fit, you know, I had to pick two, two things for the year, two words for the year. And one of them was energy and the other one was routine. And the fact is, if I stick to my routines, I'll have enough energy to do what I want. And that, and that's kind of what I've based it all around really. So that's really cool. And, and it's something loads of people talk about, but until you actually start doing it, it is just theoretical, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and completely. also it's one of those things as well that like we go, yeah, 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 I'll get around to doing one of those and then don't. So now is a perfect time to be doing that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And also, I love the fact, though, that you said you've had to work this out by trial and error, because a lot of people kind of read a book or they listen to someone say you've got to have a morning routine or not even necessarily a morning routine, but you've got to eat well or you've got to know your triggers or you've got to, you know, um, work out whether your steps are right for you or anything like that. And they kind of go, all oh, right, yeah, that's what the book says. So I've got to do that. And then they do do it and they fail or they don't do it. And it doesn't quite work. And they go, well, that's a load of nonsense then, isn't it? But interestingly, what you've said there is firstly, the stuff's really personal. So you've got to work out what works for you. But yeah. also you might not quite get it right. So you've got to try yeah. an error and test it to work it out. And you had months for that, haven't you? Yeah, literally. This is, and I'm sure that's like why I say, you know, I'm sure that's why I, I can cope with this whole situation is because I already have been through a process uh, of strengthening my day and my fallbacks so that it hasn't it hasn't necessarily affected me too much because I, I can still structure my day around my routines and habits and, and that that's kept me going really and, and I do think you have got to, I mean in the very early days I had a lot of time to research and I was determined I was going to find a cure like uh, there was something out there that was gonna cure me and the fact is there isn't um, <laughs> but what there is is a combination of things that can help you take those little tiny steps forwards and I very much took a little bits from people um, and you know I can remember I started listening to podcasts every morning because I couldn't deal with people and it sounds awful <laughs> I couldn't deal with people talking to me in the morning because I just at, in those very early stages I you know I couldn't afford to pay someone to do the horses so I had to go and do them uh, luckily I only had three in but I still had to be aware enough to handle those horses and one of which is particularly very sharp um, and I, I, I didn't even know if I could move quick enough to handle them so my efforts could not go into listening to everybody else's um, woes and I, I couldn't do it and so I got into the habit and it may seem antisocial but it was what was right for me at the time um, was listening to podcasts every single morning and I still do that now because actually the effect that it has on me if I start my day listening to something that I'm really interested in inspired by the rest of the day is off to a good foot and I don't want to muck it out so it does, it's not any extra effort um, and it's it makes a massive difference and I think again it's it goes back to that you are what you surround yourself with and if I'm surrounding myself with I had to be surrounded by positivity as I wasn't going to get through I wasn't going to come out the other side of it um, and that's that's kind of why I, I, I tried to take control of it. <laughs> that's really cool okay so I've got a question for you here that relates to what you've been talking about there as well okay so it's from Rod I'm coming back from major surgery and cancer treatment which involved basically lying in bed for eight weeks and losing all my fitness 
I am really struggling to get fit again and I believe that I can. How do you keep yourself motivated and keep your belief when coming back from your own injuries? And I mean, Gush, you, that was one heck of an injury, the kick in the head, wasn't it? That wasn't like your knee, which is when she asked the question actually, but I held off because I knew what was coming. So <laughs> what would you say about that then? Amy? What's your thoughts on it? Um, you have to you have to make sure that everything you set yourself is achievable um and what you what was achievable for before forget it for now like that can be a bigger picture thing but i kid you not like my my goals were so small so small and actually i it's, i keep looking back at this to the point that the other day so i've just I've it's tempting my couch to 5k campaign which isn't going well with the shin splints at the moment. but what does make me realize is you know i could not even i when i first started i did the horses and i uh, used to walk around the first part of the farm it used to take me like 20 minutes max um, and that was walking very slowly but i would have to go to bed after that I would literally have to go to bed. And now I can run around the whole of the farm. Yes, run, walk, run, walk, run, walk. But it doesn't, you know, I don't have to go to bed. I can still go and ride another one after that. And I can go and, you know, you know and I, to think back that that was only four months ago. Um, but what you have to do is, is go, if you try and give yourself so much, the bigger picture to think about it, you're just going to end up being demoralized because you can't do it. You can't physically do it. Um, but what you can do is set yourself a tiny mini goal each day. And I mean, tiny, <laughs> you know, even if it is getting up and reading one page of a book. Great. Do it. <laughs> Make sure it's something that you're interested in, something that's, that inspires you or whatever, because actually what you can do at the moment is, is build a vision. And, and that was very much I was very clear about where I wanted to be. Um, but I also absolutely had to tell myself that I had to be okay. It's going to take time. And I think that's probably the thing that's got me through, through it is that this is going to take a while. This is going to take a while and you've just got to take it step by step. And it doesn't matter how long it takes, as long as every step is a forward step. And there are days when I take a sideways step, um, but I always try to make sure, make sure that I don't take a backward step. And there, there has been days when I have had a backward step, but the biggest learning curve for me is to go, okay, why has this happened? What do you need to learn from this? And whereas before, when I didn't have a physical injury to remind me of that, I would have just cracked on and gone, it happened, right, let's move on. Um, but actually now I have to go, right, okay, I can't do that. And like one of the things was being prepped, like when I went and taught clinics, a, I couldn't do 16, 45 minute lessons in a day. That's just not healthy, I realize now. Um, <laughs> and B, I, I could not go, you know, get up really early, pick up whatever I felt for lunch, you know, on the way and hope for the best because A, I needed my sleep. B, I needed my nutrition. C, I needed to make sure that I didn't put myself under unnecessary stress because the anxiety came back. So I actually started um, prepping my food and stuff before I even went back to work. I practiced it, which sounds really boring, <laughs> but I had to, I had to practice. I had to practice. I started finding meals that I could cook, that I could keep overnight. Um, I started um, like prepping stuff as if I was going to a clinic the next day. I, I did tiny weeny little things like, I don't know, washing my coats for, that I wear when I'm teaching and things like that, because I knew in my head then I was going to be ready and I was putting myself, you know, taking myself through a process that wouldn't put me under stress. That's amazing. And that's also when you take that into your coaching, that's this concept we talk about training hard um, and performing easy, isn't it? Which is actually the concept of that isn't like train yourself into the ground and then everything's a cinch. It's the idea of there's no point in um, leaving it to chance when you come to compete or in your case, do the thing that you needed to do. If we look at yeah. um, analysis of it, it's very similar, isn't it? It is prep everything that you possibly can at this point so that when you get to that point, all you've got to do is run what you know you've got to run. Yeah. Do what you know you've got to do. Put that stuff into practice. And, and there are always going to be elements of the uncontrollable that then just are what they are, aren't they? So yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. Love, I love what you've talked about there. And if we talk about people when they talk about competing or even when we start thinking about getting back into riding. So there are a lot of people out there that either aren't riding or they're further back than they were because they haven't been able to do things. So your advice, it sounds to me like then, is um think about what it is that you want to achieve and work out all the bits that are going to help you succeed to get there and be practicing those now 
yeah and be prepared to keep it very small and very achievable <laughs> there's an amazing book by the way if you want to read it i will make sure it's on my website because i've got a resources um page on the fly and change coaching.co.uk website um if you click on it, it just says resources and it's just loads of books and you just click on the book and off it takes you to to get it but it's not on there, but I'll make sure it's, it's called Atomic Habits. And I can't off the top of my head remember who it's by, but it's an incredible book. And it talks exactly, Amy, about what you've been saying there, which is having a big goal sometimes can be demoralizing. It's really good to have the idea of it. You need to know where you're headed, but having yeah. a, a goal that seems too big, you'll never seem to be able to get to it. But if you can absolutely break things down into tiny little daily habit changes, then they build up. We say it's the sum of the little things that make the difference they build up into bigger stuff don't they so, and that's exactly what you've been talking about there awesome yeah, absolutely okay. so we've got another question come through i don't know if we can answer some of these but let's have a look um <laughs> thank you for sharing your journey i'm so bad with routine i think you've probably already answered this <laughs> having had a very random response to emergency job so i'm a complete butterfly i need some help um oh, what, uh, sorry i'm just trying to read it in facebook time um i can Prevaricate, gosh, that's a good word, isn't it? The hind leg off a donkey. Um, also, I have recovered from post-viral fatigue, which took 12 months, which sounds very much like this. Actually, it's really interesting what you say, Amy, because another one of the reasons that um, I thought it would be good to take you on when you told me about the situation that you were in in December when you applied is that I had chronic fatigue, and that's the reason that I left a corporate job that just was not in line with my values, with draining energy out of me and not putting any back in and set up what I loved instead. And... Um, went through a process called the chrysalis effect which is now actually going into the nhs which is incredible to help people with me chronic fatigue and all these things and, and like you say although yours wasn't me and chronic fatigue it was uh, post-concussion syndrome it's a same yeah. symptomatic response of the body to trauma um, and you get it sometimes from viruses and things as well the body just can't quite pick itself up and recover and all the stuff that you've been talking about though is all the things that we say to people they need to be doing to recover i was told if i didn't get out of the job that i was in by the lady that knew this stuff she told me i'll probably be in a wheelchair in a few years time because my body was just giving up on me yeah um, yeah so what, would, what would you say for someone who wants to start a morning routine but they're a bit random with things what would be your advice and in fact actually that's a training thing as well isn't it some people are a bit butterfly when it comes to training their horses and a bit kind of shiny things like oh i think we'll do this now i think we'll do that now and they don't have that <laughs> How would you say for someone to help build consistency when maybe things are a bit random? I think, um, again, start small. Don't try and conquer the world. And that's something that I had to learn is not to try and do too many things in, in, in one hit because you will inevitably fail at something. Um, even if you succeed at another and then that success is, is dampened because you failed at the other thing. So try and concentrate your efforts on, on one thing um, uh, and then implement that. And I very much wrote down um, a, a plan <laughs> um, because I was like, OK, so in January, so I got kicked in the head in October. Um, November and December was very much about just sort of finding things, finding my feet a little bit. And then when I got to sort of uh, end of December, January, February time, I was like, OK, January is going to be about just adding in these three things. And it was, I think, foam rolling, um, journaling in the morning. And uh, I think it was I was not going to look at my phone until I had done those two things. And, th and that was it. And I just did that every day. And I just made sure because it was really achievable, but you have to make sure that you have a prompt to do it. So, you know, I have to walk past my phone roller to get to the kitchen table. So if I fall over it, I'm down there anyway, so I might as well do it. Um, and then, you know, my journal sits on the kitchen table. So by the time I've got my breakfast and come over here, the journal and the pen are right next to my right hand. So I might as well write the journal. And by the time I've done that, I haven't looked at my phone because I've already I've just taken it with me to do those things because it's just the route that I have to take in the morning anyway. Um, and then February was all about really defining those habits and adding in the extra little bits that I wanted to do. So that might be the scheduling or replying to messages and how much time I was going to allow for that as well. Um, and I think it's the same when you're planning you know, a horse's routine. Have, have an idea of, of what you want to do and keep it simple. I've actually had a few people ask me, you know, what kind of routine are you doing with your horses uh, at the moment? And actually, I, you know, I feel great with my horses at the moment. But I think the very reason I've done that you know, is because right at the beginning of this, I said, right, I'm not going to hack because I haven't been hacking, um, partly because I wasn't allowed to hack on my own <laughs> yet because of my head situation, in case I had a moment. Um, so I was like, that's fine. They've done quite a lot of hacking with, with the person that helps me. So that 
that's fine. They're not going to hack for now. They are. I, I am still riding, but only in a controlled situation. So I ride them in the arena. So they and I don't want fit horses. So I literally am schooling them three times a week, and I'm doing in hand pole work twice a week. And I made sure I had a structure for that. So I went, okay, one day is going to be flat work. One day is going to be riding around obstacles. Again, having a prompt to do something to be active in my schooling. And then the third day is going to be raised pole work. And then the other two days are going to be working around that on, on in hand. And I've stuck to that. Mondays I ride, Tuesdays I in hand, Wednesdays off, Thursdays ridden, Fridays ridden, Saturdays in hand. And and, and it works. And, and I think it doesn't really matter what your routine is, but have an idea of what you want to put into it, have a base structure, and then gradually add to it. Don't think you're going to do it all in one go. That's brilliant. And another really good book is something called Eat That Frog. Um, I don't know if you came across that one, but it basically <laughs> is exactly that. It's like you don't eat a cake in one go. Well, I mean, to be fair, I can eat a cake in one go. But actually, the way that you eat the cake is by little bits. Like you, you wouldn't actually be able to get the whole cake in. I'll, I'll probably try one day. But, um, you know, you have to cut it into little bits and little slices. You might eat the whole cake. <laughs> um, but actually you've got to do it bit by bit haven't you and that's exactly that isn't it it's, it's manageable it's manageable pieces so you avoid overwhelm and overwhelm yeah. is such a an incredibly powerful thing isn't it in yeah and, and, in life. and that's something that you've experienced yeah <laughs> definitely and I think it's it's coming out of that is is tricky but and I say achievable make it achievable and that even if it's just tiny perfect okay so um one of the things we touched upon is how incredibly well you have managed this situation. So you are a coach. That is how you make your living. Mm -hmm. You go out and you teach people. Yep. Um, but even before this started, you've implemented some incredible things that, you know, are in some areas of business, like just what you do, but not in the coaching area. <laughs> and you've taken elements from other areas of business or ways of doing things and brought them into your coaching so tell us a little bit about things that you have brought into your coaching practice that have come from elsewhere that you're really your clients are benefiting from you're really benefiting from and actually now are incredibly useful <laughs> so I so last year I decided I think it was about July time that I really should like have a website and so I went to, to the Wix website because it was free and I could do it myself and I faffed around with it before, but I think one of my clients had said to me, oh, you know, I'm doing my website. You should have a website. And I'm like, yeah, I really should. So I literally went home and I was like, right, that is it. I'm having a website. So I made myself one. And then it came up with this online booking thing. And I was like, ooh, that was a bit scary <laughs> um, because I'm used to having a diary and planning my life and I am in control of it. And, but when I looked into it, it said it synced with your Google Calendar. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it because if it means that I don't have to, um, you know, spend, I, would, I think I was spending like at least an hour a day, seven days a week trying to plan my diary. And then there was so much toing and froing on messages like, can you do this time? No, we can't do that time. How about this time? Okay, sorry, that slot's gone now. And, you, you know, it was just, it was very draining and very tiring. And actually I find a lot of the time it actually affected my riding because I was constantly having to reply to messages to just to stay on top of it whilst I was dipping in and out of riding horses. And I'm like, this is not doing anyone any good. Um, so I, I, I took the plunge and went for it thinking, well, this is going to go one of two ways and we'll just, we'll go with it. And I think there was like a 14 day free trial on the web. So anyway, I tried it. And what I didn't realize was that the booking online came with an app and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And I'm still pretty sure I'm not getting the full max out of this app just because I'm not that great on technology. Um, but what it has been brilliant for is it's created this kind of community for my clients now. Um, so you can join, it's free to join the app, you download it. And what they can do is they can go on and book their lessons on there, which is what most of them use it for on the main uh, until this current situation um so they will go on they can book their lessons and i've got it set that lies a half an hour buffer between each so i generally don't travel out of on the days that i'm traveling locally more than half an hour apart so it all works quite nicely and they can book their lessons in which is fantastic and it means that i don't have to do any diary work and that means i can spend more time riding more time looking after myself or i can actually spend more time coaching depending on what i decide um, and i think that it's given me a little bit more freedom and life back a little bit um, but it also means that I can put a blog on there. I can um, send them emails and them know of anything that's going on, clinics and things like that. I can all my uh, clinic bookings I can do on there. Um, and it's been brilliant for that. What the one thing that has been even better for in this current period is that I can create groups on there a little bit like Facebook. 
um, only it's away from social media. And I think that's probably what's been the real benefit of it is that particularly at the moment, there's a lot of negativity around and people are getting a little narky because they've been locked up for too long. And, and you know, some people can ride, some people can't, some people are choosing to ride, some people are choosing not to. And that, whatever your decision is fine and wherever you're at is fine. But I think social media is a place where everybody can get at you a little bit, whereas the app is away from that and it is solely based. You know, if you've been a client of mine or if you're on there, you, you can get to these groups. And I set up clinic groups, which are the groups um, in different areas because I teach, you know, I teach in Dorset twice a month, Shropshire's three times a month and the Isle of Wight once a month. Um, so it allows me to stay in, in the forefront of those guys' mind, but also support them and help them through the situation, regardless of their, whether they're riding or not. Um, and also they can chat to each other on it as well if they want, but they actually tend not to too much. <laughs> um, but it allows me to provide them with information and support through through this whole system. And I've also set up a, a loyalty club, um, which is only at the moment just for sort of to the end of June is what it, set, it was originally set for. They pay £10 a month and they get a large discount, like I think it's like 30% discount off, off all of my online services. Um, they get a free video analysis once a month. Um, just really, it's more of a support package than just the, cl the clinic groups, which get the odd couple of things in there. And I think the idea behind all of it really is just to give people a little bit somewhere to go somewhere to find uh, some information that we've talked about before or that's touching on it. And what I have done for the loyalty club and, and kind of for the clinic groups is that I've created, I've written down sort of 12 weeks worth of content that we're just kind of working our way through. And I think the, the best bit about it is you can pick it up or you can leave it or you can choose what suits you. And it's, it, it's kind of a, a bit for everybody really is. <laughs> Cool. So that app has made a massive difference to you. Now, I'm not saying that obviously everyone needs to go out and get an app, but I think what you realised is there was one element which was the booking side of things. Um, and I know exactly what you mean. The best thing I ever did was put in my online booking tool. Incredible. <laughs> um, that you realised there was an element of your, let's call it your business, but, you know, something that was really affecting your life that yeah. you could make a change if you just embrace something new in order to do that. And the stuff was readily available and out there. And so what that's sort of what I'm hearing from that is actually if there's something that's that's taking up too much of your time or it's bothering you or it's causing you stress, look into what that solution might be for you to deal with that. Because when you then deal with that one element and you, you create a better energy, a better space, a better mindset, a better work life balance, whatever you want to call it, that then frees you up to look at potential more opportunities and other things that you can do. And that's how you've just organically created and grown loads of different things, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's really allowed me to, to sort of, as I say, have my life back. And interestingly enough, one of my friends, we had to do a, a review thing for the app where we met the designers in person. And my friend did it and they said, you know, what, what's been the best thing about the app? And she's like, oh, we've got Amy back. <laughs> um, which, you know, because I constantly felt owned by the messages and it, it wasn't the client's fault but it was just like literally all of the time I was having to reply to messages and it, it, it was just never ending and to stay on top of it I had to be I tried doing the whole like right I'm only going to apply to messages in the morning at this you know for this hour or whatever but you just can't you just can't stay on top of it and when 90% of those messages are people trying to book lessons it's just easier if they go and do it and the biggest thing I found actually is it then puts a responsibility on them you know if they want a lesson they will go and find a slot and I was forever finding myself guilty when I had a pet you know a, a physical calendar or even on my phone I was like oh well I might be able to fit you in here I might be able to fit you in there but because it's synced to my google calendar and I don't have to do sort of I don't have to be with them face to face I don't feel guilty and it wasn't their fault it was just my own internal problem um but I felt like I had to fit everybody in and then I was working myself into the ground not delivering the best of me to my clients which ultimately is what I want to do and the other thing that has come out of it is courses isn't it so tell yes. us a little bit about some of the online courses that you've put together yeah so um, I was I have to say I was absolutely it's so far out of my comfort zone doing these courses it's ridiculous but so yeah when when you set up the horse courses website I was like well actually this is definitely something I can do right now that I probably won't have time to do when I go back coaching all the time but and I, I sort of thought about it and I really wanted to do things that would supplement not just you know, not give just give people things to do now but supplement when we go back to having full-on lessons again um so I've done two so far I've got a few more in the pipeline but you know <laughs> it takes a bit of time to do everything um so the first one I've done is a, a design your own warm-up plan 
uh, course. Now, this is something I do with clients on a, on a regular basis anyway, but it would be, I, I think actually this will hopefully revolutionize the way we do it because it means the information that they need from me to actually go and physically write it down, they can do with the course because it's a step-by-step guide from me on how to find out yeah how to design your warm-up plan and build it around you to maximize your performance in the arena so it starts off with just finding out what your what what your trigger words are so what are your three most important things to you before you go into that arena what do you need and then we actually build that warm-up plan around that and they don't even have to be technical they can be things like looking up or riding a straight line or it doesn't have to be technical words it's not about that it's about what resonates with you and how we're going to get there um, and then we sort of build in the different sections of what you need to do and how long how long you might need to warm up for um, and we actually work through some of the what if scenarios so for example you might have this beautiful wonderful plan what are you going to do if the one before you withdraws and the steward's telling you you've got to go in early or you know what's going to be your solution for that so I, th- I think it's really important that you just have that thought process and I think I even say in the videos that you you know you may never go back and look at this plan again but the the going through the process will already create an awareness of the situation and what you can control and what you can't um, and just having even if you only remember your three trigger words they will you know, start a proactive process that will help you work through your warm up instead of wasting your time thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? This horse feels like this, it feels like that. What have you done in the past? What's my trigger? Oh, yeah, it's rhythm. How, how what do I use to test that? Right, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm on it. And it's the same. And actually, we, there's a section in there for using that when you go around the arena and when you get really good about doing it in the test as well. Um, but yeah, no, that's my first course. Uh, and then my second one, which um, I've just done, is on the scales of training. And for me, the scales of training has always been something that, I mean, I never learned about scales of training until I had to when I did the talent spotting. And in the old, old school talent spotting, you had to sit down with a judge and they would ask you questions on the scales of training. So you had to like know everything by the book. Um, so it's been drilled into me from a young age. But these days, it's kind of thrown, down, thrown around a little bit like, oh, you know what scales training are? Good, great, let's move on. So, you know, you know about rhythm, don't you? And, you know, suppleness is that you, your horse should be more supple. You know that, don't you? And it's like, well, what the hell are they? Um, and scales of training are like the, your fundamentals. Doesn't matter what sphere you're in. I mean, with my endurance clients, I spend my whole time working on rhythm and suppleness because the bottom line is whether you are riding in the arena or riding 50 miles across the across country, a consistent rhythm is going to win you a race. An inconsistent rhythm is going to tire your horse out. And that's literally as simple as it is. And I think people miss that. It's not, yeah, they're the fundamentals for the for the welfare of your horse, not the fundamentals for dressage. Um, and I think that is the bit that people get carried away with. And it's the same for jumping and even cross country. And I think this is the this is the bit that people need to think about. So although I have done I've worked through the scales training course in training videos of dressage. It's totally applicable to other spheres as well. Um, so I've worked through all six words. So rhythm, suppleness, contact, impulsion, straightness and collection. There's six little videos on them and what they are, trying to keep it simple. I haven't gone too technical, but the basics that you might need to know. If you're getting any of those words on your dressage sheets, that the course is for you. <laughs> That's just incredible because I know like you get dressage sheet back sometimes and you get this thing underlined or written in it or needs more of this or when you do that you'll get better marks and things and we look at it and we go oh that's nice you know do we really sit there and think what do they actually mean by that Um, yeah what is that really about and I think the the wonderful part about being able to access now so much stuff online and so much learning online and things as well is that we can go out and discover this stuff without having to use lesson time one-to-one with our instructor or something like that when they have to explain all of this, it must be amazing as an instructor to now know that you've got somewhere you can go, do you know, my guys need this information. I keep getting asked this question. Like you even said you did a bit of market research in your group uh, with what they needed to know and went, I'm gonna develop something on that. So that you can go to someone, either they're a new client, you go, right, the first thing you need to have done is look through this stuff and just kind of have an understanding so we're on the same page. Or you get to a client and you go, actually, you need to go off and do this thing now. And it's it's small, it's simple, it's easy, but what an amazing tool for you as a, as a coach to be able to refer people off to stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really hard for me to get people in that situation because when we're there physically with the horse, obviously they're learning and everything, but sometimes they need to 
actually have that extra bit to supplement that. So if we've done a whole session on rhythm and suppleness, they kind of know what it is. They've kind of worked through it. They're examples, but for them to have that real light bulb moment, they might want to go back and watch that course and go, oh yeah, that's what she's talking about. And, you know, particularly the rhythm one, I've gone through the footfalls. I've slow mode one of the videos so you can actually see the footfalls of walk and count them. Um, you, you know how to count the rhythm in canter just so you really have a, a, a you I think and one of the things that actually came back from the, from the market research was that actually people really they resonate with seeing um, so actually if you can create a situation where they can see something and it, that's the difference when you're riding it you might be feeling it but you're not sure what it looks like or it doesn't match the what the image that you have in your head so if you've got a clear image that's matching the, the information that you're being given then you are more likely to imprint it and learn it that's really cool. And actually, we could spend ages talking about the whole idea of visuals, matching feelings, matching things. And that, that's another Q&A another day. Maybe we'll do that. Or maybe we might even generate a course together on that kind of thing. Yeah. Just let me know when you've got some time, Amy. Um, <laughs> and we'll do a collab, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you so much. You've answered the questions that everyone's had come in. If anyone's got a quick question, they want to chuck in, do it now. But um, it's been absolutely fascinating hearing about the, your different views on things, um, how your background has shaped the way you are, your kind of your way of coaching. Is there anything that you wanted to just add or you wanted to cover off really quickly that you thought actually this would be really handy right now? Um, um, I think particularly at this moment in time, I think everybody just embrace this a little bit. I know it's really difficult because it's not a situation that we've ever been in and probably and hopefully unlikely to be in again. But I do think actually embrace it for an opportunity. Yeah, I had somebody message me the other day who was like, oh, God, you know, I, I thought you'd be doing nothing. Um, and I was like, you know me. Um, but actually, for me, I am probably as busy as I was coaching, but I'm doing all the things actually um, future proofing my business and, and can actually really help my clients. And I think it, it, it's embrace it. It's an opportunity, but equally don't pressurize, pressurize yourself to, to do, you know, make massive changes. You know, I still, I, you know, yes, I've been working really hard on getting the course in, doing lots of learning, um, but I still go to myself, right, I'm taking the weekend off because I've never been able to take a whole weekend off ever. So, I, you know, as far as I look at it, is if I work hard in the week, I can have the weekend off, which I've never been able to do. And I'm really embracing that. And I think I love that. Um, but you know, I'm also equally aware that I, I need to be doing stuff to, her, to, to to keep progressing. Um, uh, and I think just set yourself a goal each day, just one little thing, and just embrace the opportunity that we actually have here. Okay, so if you were to give us three things, maximum of, that you are going to continue <laughs> to do or take with you, that this situation has changed for you, and okay, maybe even a bit before, because you were kind of in this situation before the rest of us. <laughs> But what three things are you going to take with you going forward? Because I've been doing this a lot with my clients saying, this is great. You've made positive changes. Which bits are you going to keep? Which three things are you going to make sure you keep either doing or not doing going forwards out of lockdown, whenever that might be? I'm going to keep the groups for my clients uh, just because it's purely a really good community for them and somewhere to go and they can share ideas. And we can also, when we get back to, to, clinics and stuff we can be like so you know how do you find this exercise blah blah we can share things um, which I think would be really fun um I'm definitely <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that I keep I've been loving having the time to spend on my horses um and I knew this I know it I spend forever knowing it but I always end up not <laughs> for some reason spending it in so actually I am going to continue and uh, one thing I've been doing during this is scheduling my time um, and I'm going to continue to do that. I was trying to do it before now, but it's given me the opportunity to do it better, practice it and, and then actually embrace it, which is my own advice, really. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is that I am I'm definitely going to continue um, looking into and creating courses I think um because I really want I, I want things to supplement what I'm doing I want to give my 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 clients the, the ability to to get everything they want or not and I think that's that's something that that we can take forwards for sure awesome so loads more to come from you then Amy people are, <laughs> people can get in touch with you even if you're not able to go and instruct them they can still learn from you which is just awesome 
Cool. Well, thank you so much for today. We have covered so many fascinating areas. Everyone's <laughs> saying thank you very much. It's been really interesting. They found it really useful. And anyone watching this on the replay, obviously, if you've got any questions, do ask them. How do people get a hold of you, Amy, if they want to ask you any questions? Uh, so I've got a Facebook page, which is just Amy Blank Dressage. I've got a website, which is www.amyblankdressage.co.uk. Um, and I'm on Instagram, again, just Amy Blank Dressage. So they can drop me a message on any of those. Um, tag me in anything. Um, so thank you so much everyone Um, and if you want to get in touch with Amy please do keep an eye out on horseycourses.com for all her courses that are clearly there's going to be loads of them going on there she's going to take over (laughs) (laughs) that's great Um, and if obviously you think your clients will benefit from them as well and you're a coach or anything then do send them that way Um, so have a look at that so thank you so much Amy it's been thank you for having me Uh, we just had a comment that says congratulations on a fantastic recovery and I think yeah actually well done (laughs) thanks what you've done is incredible and actually you have done it pretty fast when you think about it um because you've done it the right way but without getting into that well done thank you very much amy it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today thank you thank you for having me and i hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as i did if you want to listen to more of them then please do follow us in apple in google and on podbean Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone.